West program, Austin Matthews. The belly box, Nylander gets an extra shift. William Nylander shoots. He scores! The coach played a hunch and the kid has his first National Hockey League goal. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Tip of the Tower Maple Leafs podcast. Guys, um, I don't even know if we're going to talk about tonight's game that much. 5-2 loss to the Blue Jackets. The real concern here is obviously Mitch Marner. Took a bad hit in the boards. Looks like it might be a shoulder. Um, tried to come back, played for a bit. You saw him going back and forth with the trainers. Eventually left the game, did not return. Babcock didn't provide an update, which I think we all expected after the game. How concerned are you after seeing it, though? Uh, it, it didn't look good. Um, I mean, when a, when a smaller guy goes into the boards like he did, especially when he's he was kind of put in a vulnerable position, you, you don't like it. And I mean, the Leafs haven't had many injury problems this year, and if they were to lose Marner, I don't know. It's going to really impact their offense, that's for sure. Jake, I know you played a lot of hockey. Obviously, you're a bigger guy. Probably didn't have to take many hits like that, to be quite honest. But anything like that you've ever worn before where it felt like maybe – it looked like Marner's shoulder might have popped. Looks like your typical AC joint sprain, maybe worst-case scenario, broken collarbone, which – Fingers crossed it's not, but anything like that, buddy? Um, no, luckily I've, I haven't been had any major injuries in hockey outside of a concussion. But, I mean, yeah, it's just it's kind of hard for the little guys to play. I've seen I've seen guys about Marner's size just get hit against the boards, and it's, it's really easy to break a collarbone. And, I mean, it's uh, hopefully it's nothing bad, but, you know, the way he was smirking when he came off the ice didn't look too good. Hopefully he's okay, but I guess we'll we'll get a better opinion tomorrow. Yet, Although we still don't even know what the injury is for Kasperi Kapanen, so we might be still waiting for that. Yeah, I don't know, man. I know they're off till Saturday, but it's definitely a concern. It'll be something that I'm sure they'll beat to the ground from now until Saturday. On a brighter note, Josh Levo, dude, I know it's only two games, but he's got, what, six points, five points now? She's looked awesome. Is this something that we should expect to keep seeing more of going forward? Maybe not at this pace, obviously, but at least him playing well, or is this just a nice two-game stretch? I mean, I, I sure as hell hope people don't expect him to be a point-per-game player because that's not his game at all, but maybe a guy that can you know get you 15 goals a year and, and chip in offensively uh, as a guy that can get some assists too for 35 points. I, I always thought that's the best you could think for a guy like Levo, but in my opinion, he's just not a great skater. So you never really know what's going to happen with a guy like that, but you're hopeful that he can he can show what he's been showing now because we can use a guy that's big and physical in our forward ranks because there's not many guys that can do what he's what he does, except maybe JVR. Well, here, Dave, I'll ask you this then. Um, obviously, Soshnikov is inching closer to return. He's the fourth-line winger that is pretty much who goes in Levo's spot when he's healthy. Do you maybe send Soshnikov down to the Marlies now? Because if you send Levo down, he's got to clear waivers. And I don't know if he's going to be able to clear waivers after the stretch of play. So what do you do with that? Do you bring up Soshnikov or do you keep Levo? You play the hot hand. Um I mean, especially we don't know what Marner's situation is going to be like. I would, I would be more inclined to maybe wait it out if uh, you feel like Marner's going to be out for a while. Then I mean, Sashnikov would just come back in, but uh, I, I wouldn't take Levo out because he's got good chemistry right now going with Kadri. And, I mean, he's put up. Well, he's already got a career high in uh, in assists. 
he had he had what two he had two going into this season and he's already matched that or he's beat that with four so he's I think he's kind of understanding his role and you know he's not gonna be the guy that's gonna carry the play through you know from one into the other just be hard on the puck get get into the shoot well get the puck on net and that's all he's been been doing it's I don't think what he's doing is complicated it's, it's been a simple what he's doing is very simple and it's it's effective he's just simplifying his game a little bit more and it's it's been effective especially with Kadri so just play the hot hand uh if Marner is not able to go then it just makes your decision of whether Sashnikov plays or not and if it becomes a point where Sashnikov is not playing yeah I would send him down give a guy with the Marlins that may like may deserve a call up uh I mean, Kirby, uh, Andreas Janssen's been playing really well. Kirby Reichel's been playing well. Byron Fraze has been playing well. Like, there's guys in the Marlins that could step up if you want, but I think right now, I think you just wait and see what's going on with Marner, and you make the decision after that. You kind of share the same sentiment there, Jake, where you wait to see with Marner and then just ride the hot hand with Levo, or you're going to give Sasha Goff some playing time down the Marlies? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, obviously you got to see how the situation sorts out with Marner, but you know I don't think Sashnikov's looked like the player he was last year. So, you know, for he seems like a guy where he's he's really effective when he's not only under the under the skin of his opponents, but he's also chipping in offensively. And I believe he's only got like two goals or something. So maybe sending him down and giving him some confidence would be you know just what he needs. I'll put it really blunt here. Tonight's game, shit show to sum it up well. JVR obviously got stapled to the bench there in the second period and the third period. We saw him play, what, two minutes in the second, uh, maybe four or five max in the third. Yeah. It's clearly in Babcock's doghouse. Saw him sit in the middle of the bench. What's up with that? Is he just, you know, does Babs like him? Because recently we've seen him not really play a lot. All season he's hovering around 15 to 17 minutes. Uh, more or less a one-way guy, playing mostly offense. Am I, am I reading too much into this, guys, or is this a legit thing to be concerned about? I don't know. I feel like he's a really moody guy, uh, Coach Babcock, and there's plenty of guys that – it's not that he just doesn't like, but he's just really hard on his players. Like, he does this with Nylander. I think it's – if you cheat him for effort, he'll have no problem sitting you down. I think the only guy that he really loves is is probably Matthews and, and Hyman because those are guys that just – they have relentless motors. They never stop moving, and it's it's rare. Um, you know, most guys are are like that. They don't they don't play you know balls to the wall every single shift like it's the last. I mean, it's rare. It's rare to find guys like that. Like I said, but I, I wouldn't read too much into it. Maybe he's just trying to trying to show him that he has to play harder or something like that. I'm not really sure though. I mean, you saw him and Nylander on the fourth line tonight, so... Wow, with Ben Smith. That kind of supports. Yeah, that's, like... that's, yeah, that's that's a real fourth line. <laughs> well, well, Nylander was called out on that, on one of the goals by some some of the guy, people on Twitter, um, especially with this whole topic about him possibly playing center again. Um, but with JVR... Uh, Babcock has been has been harder on him this season. I think he's expecting JVR not to be more, like a rush player, like a guy who just gets all of his opportunities off the rush, and be a guy who's going to cycle the puck more, uses his physical well, use his frame. He's not the most physical guy, and I think that it's always been a drawback of his is he's not wanting to be overly physical, and I think 
considering his size, he should be. And I think just Badcocks wants more out of him. He's not getting in. He's just going to give it to guys who want to who want to play more, who want to give a better effort. So something we talked about off here, guys, in our little group chat there is how Babcock shares similarities to Bill Belichick in football, where a lot of players with him are very transient. You got his like his Tom Brady's, you know, uh, Nate Solder. He's got left tackle. Like he's got key positions, like key players that he just leans on and depends on. Whereas Babcock's very similar with that, and everybody else is pretty much replaceable. Who on the Leafs kind of falls into that? You can't get rid of them. I feel like it's an obvious answer. It's the Marner, Matthews, Riley, Anderson. But is there anybody else that might fall into that? I know Jake. I you said off the air. I think Saitsev. Yeah, you said Hyman too. It was off the air. Somebody you mentioned. Mm-hmm. You said Babs yeah. loves him to death. Yeah, I think that's a guy that you're going to try and keep, like an Andrew Shaw type. He doesn't really have a lot of you know offensive talent, but you know he he's not going to cheat you for effort, and he's going to he's going to offensively chip in. You know, 35 points. He's going to be your sandpaper, and he's going to annoy your opponents. I think he's a guy that has a real future here, and I I, I personally see him getting. Uh, you know, moderately long-term deal. I mean, he's he is a rookie, but he's not a rookie's age. He's about, I think he's 24 or 25. So, you know, I think that's a guy that the Leafs should try and lock up because, you know, he's his game is pretty much timeless. You know, he's not a great skater. He's not great offensively, but he's going to be a guy that can, you know, win you puck battles, and that's something that you need for on a championship-caliber team. And he's 24, so... I mean, he's, he's five years older than Austin Matthews, and they're both rookies. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Kirk Maltby out there off the old school Red Wings teams. Just doesn't do anything extraordinarily well. Kills penalties, lots of effort, but a guy you could use. Um, obviously, with the talk about players being replaceable, I hate asking this because it's such like a homer thing to ask, especially because he had a bad game tonight. But is JVR replaceable, guys? Uh, I, I think it, the points he produces – is I mean, it, he's not lighting it up at like a, like a guy like Marner can and Matthews can. He's just good enough that he can be in your like I say like top five in scoring, and it's pretty tough to replace to get that or even to replace it when you lose it. But I see the guys that are playing the Marlies, and they see this team wanting to go younger and not want to put all their I guess well I wouldn't say eggs in my basket, but not want to spend on guys that maybe you can get for cheaper. So do you indulge on a guy like JVR and give him, I think, what, north of $6 million a year? Or do you get rid of him and replace with someone younger? I think they might go with the latter just because they see JVR as an asset and they got guys that could potentially give Babcock more of what he wants, more youthful energy, and and do well. And I, I, JVR is a good player. It's just I, I think you, you're in a – you're in a situation where you have to be realistic of what's going to happen with his future and capitalize on it. Okay, well, let me ask you guys this then. Entering the season, there's a lot of talk about the Leafs system. You know, this is their second year at Babcock. They're going to get used to things. Clearly, they're used to the system now. I mean, top power play in the league, top 10 in penalty kill percentage. Everything is falling into place. So do you think a lot of what we're seeing this year is a byproduct of being comfortable in Babcock's system, or is it just these guys as individual talents? Because if it's the system... Can you not just plug and play guys in certain positions now? I think there's there's a couple spots where you're pretty much plug and play uh, on the Leafs right now. It's obviously I think it's the center between Marner and whoever it is, and it's one of the wingers. It's both the wingers on Austin Matthews. I mean, he's kind of like our Sidney Crosby in the sense that you can put 
any two bums with him, and they're going to become better players. I'm not saying, you know, Brown is, you know, a complete scrub, but if he plays, we saw what he's going to do when he's not playing with a guy like Matthews. He's going to get you like 30 points a year. And when he plays with Matthews, he's, you know, a guy that can maybe get you 30 goals. He can be like that Pascal Dupuy player or, or dare I say, a Chris Kunitz, who I believe had almost 40 one year. And, hey, he's, he was on an Olympic team and has a gold medal. So it's, it's nothing to, you know, sc- uh, scoff at or, or talk trash about. You know, you need those players. But I think those are some of the really exp- uh, p- expendable pieces. Uh, the people that are playing recurrently with Matthews and on Marner's line. So Bozak, JVR. And a guy like like Connor Brown, as much as we love him, you know, he's definitely a guy that, you know, he's probably in the similar talent of a guy like a Kapanen or a Jeremy Bracco or or an Andreas Janssen. So those type of guys you can definitely replace. But if you can move them and get a defenseman that you need, it's it's worth it to me. Yeah, I find that interesting because you look at I know everybody compares the Leafs to the Hawks, and it's really easy, <clears throat> especially when you look at Mitch Marner, him and Patrick Kane, their first, I think, what, they're at 54 games, 55 games now, and their stats are almost identical. Like, even the shots are almost spot on, the exact same, so it's kind of creepy. But the way the Hawks have done it with Taze, and they just put Hosa next to him as an anchor, and then that left wing has just been interchangeable. And the second line, like you're saying with Marner, you know, you look at the Hawks with Kane, they just kind of have Kane there, and then roll through whoever the hell else they want to put in there, whether it be Sharp over the years, recently Panarin, uh, Anisimov at center. Like It's just been a revolving door, and I think the Leafs might do the same thing, whereas you look at guys like Bozak, JVR, might be gone in the future. Um, what about maybe putting Nylander back up there with Matthews? Is that something you think they might explore soon or no? I talked about that with you guys, and I think, I think Nylander... I think Babcock is desperately wanting Nylander to drive his own line. I think that's the Babcock system where you have your top three lines. There's one guy who drives the line, and the other two are the supporting, as Jake said. So I think he wants Nylander to be that one guy that has his own line. And he's there's flashes of when he can do it, and then there's times where he gets caught. I mean, he, he, I mean when he's on the casual line, he has to play more of a defensive role just because that's how Kadri's line is casted. So I I would like to see Nylander try to get his own line together, but at the same time you saw how him and Matthews play together and maybe that's just a spark that they need. I think on the road it'd be a good idea to play Matthews and and Nylander together and maybe change it up when they're at home. The thing that annoys me about the way he coaches is that he just requires all of his guys to play defensive, even though it's not to their strengths. I mean, you have to you have to enjoy the uh, play these players for what they are. You know, Mitch Marner and and William Nylander aren't gritty bottom six players. They're elite offensive weapons, and you have to you have to kind of balance the good with the bad. And I mean, obviously, Mar he hasn't done that with Marner, and I guess it's because he's playing on a veteran line that's not really you know, supposed to be defensive. But when he when Nylander was playing with like Kadri, he's obviously put in defensive situations. And he was with when he was with Matthews, Matthews is a really good two way player. So he's also gonna be in a situation where he's expected to play some defense. And you got I mean you have Hyman. Just like look at <laughs> when you watch them on the same sheet of ice on the same line, it's just night and day. And it's kind of it's kind of 
Nylander's style. You know, he plays a really relaxed style because everything is pretty much effortless to him. So it doesn't look like he's working hard, but I don't think I don't think it's that he's he's not trying. It just looks like it like he's not trying because everything he does is so effortless because he's so naturally gifted. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of people criticize him for being lackadaisical, nonchalant, not really giving a shit out there, but. I think that's just the way he carries himself and the way he plays. I know it's not He reminds me a lot of Henrik Zetterberg, who's a guy that, you know, obviously he's a little older now, but back in his day he was he was a guy that's going to consistently steal the puck off you. Him and Datsuk would do that. I think Nylander is, is incredibly good at just taking the puck from guys. It's something that reminds me of Datsuk. I'm not saying he's the, anywhere close to the defensive player that Datsuk is, but his ability to just, you know, create turnovers off of players is is uh, uncanny, and it's something that is extremely unique for elite offensive wingers, too. I think if he can become uh, – by the way, long-term, I think Nylander should become a center. I I really think the comparable between him and Henrik Zetterberg is what Babcock is, is trying to morph him into. I mean, as you as you can see from you know what he said to the media is that you know he wants him to be a, a center long term, but he's probably got to get a couple years under his belt. Uh, that's where I see him long term. I think he can drive a line himself, and he can be you know extremely nifty defensively. But you have to play him with defensively strong players if you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. See, it's interesting you mentioned that too because down the stretch there on the last what two to three years, Babcock's with Detroit. A lot of times you would see him play Zetterberg and Datsuk together. And they were just magic out there, especially on the power play, obviously. But even strength, late in games, these guys were just dominating. They would kind of be like his closer in a sense where anything five-on-five five in the lead, he would just put those two together and they'd dominate. And I think you see him try and do it at times at the least, but it just it doesn't work yet because I don't think he has a trust in these guys. Aside from, like you were saying earlier, Matthews, Hyman, like that's the only guys he really trusts with the lead. Because the Leafs have sucked in five-on-five five play with the lead this year. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's been bad. Well, so. they're puck chasing. I mean, tonight, I mean, I don't – tonight's – well, there's been many games like tonight. I mean, people will say, oh, just another – like, this is like a trend we're seeing now. I remember I think it was the fourth goal. It was on the power play. And you had three guys chasing the puck behind the net. The point – and then allows the defenseman to pull in closer to the goalie, get a clear shot on net, and then I think Felino tipped it or he got in front. Like, they're – I don't know what it is, but they get frantic. They get frantic when they're when they're in their own zone. I don't get it, but that's that's what I see. And it's more apparent five on five because I mean their pinnacle has been very good. But on five on five, when they have a lead, they feel like it's total defense mode, as Jake says. And they're not. And the Islanders game was a good example of how they should be playing, where they're on the throat, and when they're on the throat, don't let up. You have to just keep going, but when you're on the defensive, of course, it's going to make it a lot easier for a team to come back. I mean, I look at, I'm going to bring in a football reference here, but that Super Bowl is the exact, I think that, that pictures what the Leafs are. A team that when they get the lead, unless they keep going at it, they're going to let that lead up. It's fair to say, I mean, the numbers would support that too. Let's talk about the defense a little bit then. Since the last time we recorded our podcast, um, the Ducks obviously pop back up as a, a team that's rumored to be an ideal fit for the Leafs. You know, it's the same thing we talk about all the time. But Pierre LeBron talked about the availability of possibly Brandon Montour or Shane Theodore on TSN Radio last week, saying that he doesn't know if a package of JVR, 
plus plus would be enough to get a Montour. What do you guys think the cost is to get a Montour then? I know that's what Pierre Lebrun's saying, and we know he's got pretty good sources, but do you guys agree with that? Uh, I don't know. A lot. For me, that just seems like way too much for a guy that's that's played like 30 games. That's That was exactly I mean, my point. Like, normally you would think he's a prospect. That's what he's still considered based on the amount of games he's played. You would get a, a high-end prospect and a first-round pick for a guy like JVR who's got a year and a half left on his deal and, you know, he can get you 65 points. I mean, those guys – and he's big too. I mean – those don't grow on trees. I think I think if the Leafs are going to trade JVR, the time is is before the trade deadline because I think they're going to get max max value at the trade deadline or because the there's so few sellers right now. Do you see what the what the mm-hmm. Martin Hansel? They want a first and a prospect for Martin Hansel. He's never scored more than 45 points or something. But he's a centerman. That's why he's worth they value him more. Still, the guy can't skate. <laughs> well, but it's the teams that are, it, this is the thing. Wingers are not as much as a premium centers or defensemen. JVR unfortunately is a winger, and while he is a good winger, he's not going to be as attractive. An elite winger who can score thirty goals, which is good. But other teams have specific needs, and for some teams, it's not a winger. I mean, Anaheim definitely needs a winger. They need they need someone that can score because. I don't know, Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff have not been the offensive catalyst they've used to be. I mean, when Ryan, Gessler, Ryan Kessler and uh, Ricard Raquel are your top offensive players, I think you need some help offensively, which is why I think everybody puts the Leafs as the ideal trade partner. But for people to say William Nylander, I mean, I think it was no, Drager that said William insane. Nylander. That's he, blasphemous. It, it's, you know. And, and, unless you're, you're getting two of them, pass. Like it will have to be first off, it had to be Shea Theodore because I think Theodore is the it better to be prospect. Theodore and Larson for me to think about it. They're not going to give up both defensemen. I mean, they're going to. I know that's what it would take. <laughs> but, a team with zero yeah. leverage to get up a guy on entry level. Exactly. Like, like I I understand Anaheim's point of view that they have three good defensemen that everybody wants. They're on good contracts because they're on their entry levels and they don't they need have more to... than three good defensemen on entry well, level. Well, no, the the th- Montour, Larson, and Theodore are the only three on entry level, aren't they? And Manson is, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Okay, yes. Um, so that's four. It, that's not. I don't think that. I think they'd be. Ra- they'd rather try to keep those young guys and trade the guys they've already got signed. I mean, Fowler is probably going to be the one taken. In the Fowler's not draft. going anywhere. Yeah, Fowler's not going anywhere. He's dude. Been- he hasn't been their best defenseman. He's been their best player. So they've they've been talking about actually locking him up for a long term deal this summer. Okay, so that's yeah. been the word on him recently. So then you got Hampus Limholm, Sammy Vatanen, and Kevin Bieksa also signed. Okay, well something off the air we discussed too was you know the Leafs are going to have a lot of cap space next year. What if you take on a bad contract like a Bieksa? I know he's got a new mo- no movement clause, so that's up to him to decide whether if he wants to come here or not. But that's an option too. That I mean, that's that would that's what came into my mind. I, you know, the thing that I thought would be a really good trade for I think both teams would be you know a trade of a, a JVR for a Kevin Bieksa, uh, Brandon Montour, Shea Tidor, and a first round pick. I think that's I think that's the best case scenario for both teams. 
I think it would be fair value. And the Leafs, if the if Anaheim really want, they can add something to it just to make a little bit, a little bit better, just in case, with the with JBR if he doesn't resign there. But the the only exactly. the only but problem, you're getting him for two years, right? You're getting him for this stretch run and next oh, year too. A year and a half. So you're getting two yeah. more kicks of the can. The, the the thing is, and we've talked about this. Kevin Bieksa has a no movement clause. You've seen what the Leafs have been doing with veteran players, guys that may not be able to kick it around in the league. Is he going to want to do that to come to Toronto? Because Toronto... I mean, it depends on how if he's got a limited or a full. He has a no movement clause. Yeah, it's full blown. It's full almost blown. certain. It's full. I'm almost certain. I'll, I'll check right now. It yeah, was. That's that's uh yeah that that might be the sticking point. I mean, that's but then again, problem. you look at it. He he can't be worse than Roman Polak or Matt Hunwick. But then, a, a guy who's never skated in his life that's eaten you know three pizzas could look at the Leafs D and be like, <laughs> I have a chance here. They can't skate. Well, I mean, not that, not that he's like the next Eric Carlson, but I mean, you would have to think there's at least a chance you're staying around. And could. I I I honestly think that he's a really good Mike Babcock player too, a guy that. Has an attitude a lot like him, you know. Who's never really satisfied. Uh, is going to work hard, really tough. I th- I think it would be a really good addition for him. I, I mean, how many years does he have after this? I think he's got one year after the next, right? Just one. Yeah, he expires in twenty eighteen nineteen, and he's got a full no, no movement clause, four million dollar cap pit. You know, that's kind of that'll be a washout with him and JVR. So yeah, yeah, it, it's something that could work if he's willing to come to Toronto. I, I, yeah. will, I will say the Leafs' defense is soft, and if they get Bieksa, they won't be as soft anymore. So that, that I do agree with that on Bieksa. It's can you conv- they had to convince Milan McCulloch to come here. <laughs> <laughs> we know how they that gotta, worked out for they him. They screwed him there. They screwed him there. Well, that, that's another thing. I hope they do him a solid and try and deal him to a team that can actually use him. Because well, he's, uh, he's, hardly, so playing, bad, he's I, hardly playing for the Marlies. That's the I know. That's why it's so sad. Him, like, have not been playing a lot. Greening has been in and out. Uh, I'm just trying to think of who else we got down there. It's like That's the problem. How many do we have down there? I think if you get a guy like Bieksa, though, because he's the defenseman and there's not as much competition on the back end, he has a better chance of sticking around as opposed to a guy like McCulloch, Greening, like, that came here and they got beat up by kids who are more talented than them. Unfortunately, that's the way it works. And I think that that has a lot to, that could, that could sway BX, but that would be, that would be a tough one. That's something Lou Lamarillo would have to work, work on with that, with the agent there. Well, on top of this too, you know, his contract expires next year. He's going to be a soon to be UFA next season. Veteran guys like him at the trade deadline teams are always looking for, right? Especially on the back end. I know he's got no movement clause, so he kind of dictates whether he could get traded to a contender or not. But let's just say the Leafs aren't doing well and he wants to go somewhere else. It can't be that hard to move an expiring contract like him at the deadline, you know? And if they for for something. Yeah, I mean, $4 million. Even if you can get a sixth-round pick. Yeah, it's it's something. I mean, look at the deal today. Tom Gilbert got shipped to the Capitals for a bunch of conditions. It's one conditional pick, but it's got so many damn conditions. Fifth fifth is really high. Yeah, but it's got so many conditions in it for it to get to that point. I'm sure they can get something similar for Bieksa if they really need to, if they get to that point. Mm-hmm. I, it's just if, if Anaheim is willing to give up 
Uh, would you are you would you take Bexa if it? I mean, you're taking Bexa only if you get a Montour or a Theodore. Yes. Yeah. That'd be the only situation. Yes. Okay. Well, I think so. Well, there's there's no other point to it. Now the other thing is JVR also has a bit of a say on his on whether he gets dealt because I believe he has a a modified no trade clause. From, there's from no way he says no to Anaheim. Yeah, there's no. This oh, is, okay. It's not like he's going to Edmonton or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did he like Randy Carlisle? That's the one question you have to ask. Uh, or yeah, you know what temperature it is right now in uh, in L.A. He grew yeah, up. In, okay. He grew up in New Jersey. It, yeah, I know. Hey, still, I know a bunch of kids from New Jersey so that love I... California. Oh. I don't think he'd mind playing next to no. against Laffrey Kessler either. Like, no, he's going there for a top six role. So. He's, yeah, he's not getting sold off for studs to any to any random team, I guess. Wow. I, I just don't I don't see them investing six no. years into him. I just don't see it. No, because they, they can't. Just it's, it's not they can't. I don't think it makes sense for them to do it, considering that they need defense. And you need to invest more in trying to... You need, you need to invest a smarter... In terms of you're not giving the old a guy like JVR who probably will have more leverage on a contract than what the younger guys will get, I think you go after the defenseman. And yeah, I agree. And our defensemen and the Marlies are definitely not ready. I mean, the, the Marlies have a very similar problem to the Leafs, where they build up a four-two or no five-two lead, and it's it goes into overtime and they lose. I mean, it's the same sort of identity because the defense is just not there yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, they have made a little renaissance since they somehow oh. just just took yeah. a nosedive in the standings. Well, this... I mean, they started out really hot and you know could score a bunch of goals, and then they just hit a rough patch. And ever since they claimed Seth Griffith, which I I think is an excellent move for a team like the Leafs that is going to have a lot of guys that are going to be coming in late season and are going to play for the Marlies, so... you know. This is what you want to continually do when you have young players. Just continue to get them through the pipe, get them experience playing pro hockey, because you know the guys that are potentially could play for the Le- uh, for the Marlies during the stretch run are guys like uh, Karostalev, uh, Adam Brooks, depending on how far he goes in the in the Memorial Cup since Regina's on fire, and another guy, Jeremy Bracco, who's obviously going with uh, Windsor. So that's three elite forward prospects that you could be adding to the mix. I will say this, and, and also Kapanen, who's coming back too. Yeah. Well, we don't know when that will be. Yeah, um, that's true. I, I will say this about the Marlies because I've been really focusing on what's been going on there. Yes, yeah, Seth Griffith, Seth Griffith, oh guy, I always have a hard time with that, has helped. Garrett Sparks has been playing a lot better in net because Bebo, the, I think he's his he's been on the serious decline this season. Even though he didn't look bad with the Leafs, I mean he has not put up good numbers. Uh, Travis Dermott has picked up his game. Nielsen score. I believe he scored t- in the against Utica tonight. Andreas Janssen is playing really well. Kirby, it's 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 not one guy that's stepping up. It's the, the collection of guys that are finally playing to their potential, and that's why it, it hasn't. I mean, I think it was just they had a really tough go because it was a younger team. Like this is this team, I think, was younger than the team from last year. When you have yeah. guys like Timoshov, Nielsen. Dermot on the blue line, two guys, young guys on the blue line, and then you have 
you know, as I said, Timashov, you had, uh, I mean, Kapanen was going to be the leader. Leipzig, who's still out with the injury as well. Uh, and then Byron Fraze is the number one center because they really don't have anybody else. That's the one other position that they need. They need to address. Adam Brooks is a is a center, and he I'm, ho- he, he I'm hoping that they'll put some good work in with him when he comes to the Marlies eventually. That that's a position that they really need to focus on is center and defense, which are <laughs> what every team needs to worry about. But them, the Leafs for sure have to use the Marlies more in that regard. It's tough though, right? I mean, you kind of got to get lucky with the prospects. It's, you got to uh, draft imperfect them. Yeah. science. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I think they're trying to do that. I think they might go to Russia too. Something we discussed is that with the KHL being in financial flux, we saw them go pick up Zaitsev. Maybe they'll go find somebody else over there. There's there's another guy that uh, that Bob was talking about that you know a bunch of teams are after. I mean, obviously every team's going to be after these these guys that are free because this is no risk. You know, they come on one year deals, don't work out, they go back. Yep, and uh, and the NCAA guys will also be be hot especially the defensemen because when they obviously some of them who have not signed with any or been drafted they get a chance to now sign with the team like what they did with uh just trying to think like hyman hyman was went to florida as a free agent where he signed i'm just trying to think it was i believe no, it was he was hyman. he was drafted yeah. by florida, by florida. Drafted yeah. by florida. And then they traded him here because he wasn't going to sign there. he wasn't going to sign there and the lease were saying we'll give you that year off like that well because if essentially you burn your first year of uh entry level so something like that maybe the Leafs can get away with it on on the defensive side if you can find like a i mean he may not be the best example like a danny de kaiser what he's been doing with detroit i think good player He's a good player. I mean, he's, he's a bit over. Him. He is a bit overpaid. I mean, just with his long cap hit right now, and his long extent, the long extension they gave him. But that's the type of guy I think you need to start looking at when you're looking at college guys, guys in the KHL, as you were saying. They they do have to get lucky, and their scouting department is way better than what it was before. So I think you're a little more confident with what what they uh, what they can find. Well, yeah, bottom line, it's a crapshoot every time, right? Like yep. you can get a guy like a Contiola crap out for like what eight oh, games here, and oh, leave. Contiola, or you can that. find a guy like a Zaitsev or a Panarin or a Radulov. Even like there's lots of guys, right? I mean, you don't know what you're going to get until they get over here and start playing in the American style of game. So, yeah, exactly. It, it is a big difference in terms of the style of play and and you know how much you, of ice there is to play on. You know, it's it's so. Yeah, it's de- it's definitely. I think for the Leafs, it's. I'm trying to think of all those success stories they have. I I can't think of of one past Zaitsev. Well, that's where you hope the Detroit model will come into play, right? Because you had guys like Johan Franz and uh, Sergei Fedorov way back. Like Larry, on there were so many guys that were considered quote unquote import players that Detroit used, and just they made it work all the time. They had great overseas scouting, and it's paid so much dividends for them. And you kind of see the Leafs slowly starting to do the same thing where wow. guys like Korkshav, uh, Grunstrom, like Zaitsev, you're hoping that they can maybe not become the exact same players as what Detroit had, but contributors. And that'll make a huge difference. So hopefully that happens. Well, I mean, Detroit's actually this. I, Chris, you wrote this in your article when uh, Marchenko was picked up by the Leafs. First time in how many years? I totally forgot they even claimed him. Well, yeah. I'm... <laughs> it's a blade, right? 
Yeah, I, I honestly, until you just said his name, I forgot. Well, I was thinking, part, I was like, who I, is that? I'm like, I oh think my part, god. I think part of the reason they got him is also for the expansion draft because he fulfills the requirements. But it'd be nice to see him get a game, see yeah. what he's about. Um, I think you're going to say, Dave, that the first time Detroit hasn't had a Russian on their roster, and yep, I, I want to say twenty. I think it was almost two or, decades. It's a long time. Two or three decades, which it talks about where where Detroit went right with their. Uh, their player selection. Go for the guys from Russia who are, who, who you may not be able to get in. The, well, who you may uh, could get in the draft later rounds, but sign them in without getting up, giving up a draft pick. I think, yeah, it falls on that category. Marching, I would like to see him get a game. Actually, he played with Zaitsev in the World Cup of Hockey in the World Championship, and I'm I'm kind of surprised that. It's taken. I mean, how, when was he claimed? Two weeks ago, yep. if I'm not wrong. I'm. I'm. I guess. Ba- but Babcock is very um, particular with his defensive pairings, where he he doesn't make drastic changes to them unless he has to. And good lord, I wish he could get a game. Just Hunwick and Paul. Polak hasn't been too bad. It's just you can you, pick between four guys for tonight's yeah. game. I mean. Gardner pinching in on the wing there in the second period that led to the goal on Kadri's horrific turnover in the neutral zone was was I, bad. Gardner uh, is Carrick, not... he had a giveaway, and then you got Hunlack. They can, are what they are. So can, can we talk about how everybody was on uh, Gardner's high horse, and then you know this? I think the probably the last month or like let's say ever since really Riley went down with the injury, his his game has been on the decline, like making bad decisions. Out of decisions. nowhere. Bad decisions with the puck. Uh, Pizza's he, up the middle of the ice, dude. It's just it's getting caught yeah. pinching and has to go back. I mean, it's frustrating. I think like th- that's the best way to describe this defensive core: soft and frustrating. No, soft, soft or <laughs> stupid. I was waiting for you to chime in. <laughs> well, I was waiting for, yeah, waiting for that one there. So that's my favorite. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll wrap this up now. Um, next week, we'll get into trade deadline preview. We'll, we'll try and bang out two episodes next week, one of the regular Leafs talk and then one specifically oriented towards trade deadline around the NHL and the Leafs, of course. As always, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this week's episode of the Toronto Maple Leafs Tip of the Tower podcast. I'm Crystal Kranitz. You can follow me on Twitter at Crystal Kranitz. You can follow Dave Morissuti on Twitter at D underscore Morissuti. You can follow Jake on Twitter at Jake Middleton 12 you can follow the show and the site on Twitter and Facebook at Tip of the Tower, and you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. Thanks for listening, guys. Enjoy the new streams. Sweden, William Nylander. Tonight's Mitch Marner. 